Welcome to the Me, Myself, and You podcast. My name is Sarah, and I'm your host. And today we're going to be talking about emotional support animals, uh, ESAs for short, for the sake of not saying emotional support animals over and over and over again. So we're going to be talking about what exactly an ESA is. We're going to be talking about common misconceptions, and we're going to talk about my ESA story uh, because I do. Well, it's complicated. We'll get into it. Um, so to start, an ESA is, like I said, an emotional support animal. It is typically a dog or a cat that is there for emotional support. Um, a ESA is usually, I see it most for people who struggle with things like generalized anxiety disorder or depression, not big things that are treated with a service animal or a therapy animal, which a therapy dog is typically, just so you know, therapy dogs, therapy animals are generally for a group of people. They're trained to work with multiple people and basically be very well behaved and be an emotional support animal for a lot of different people. A service animal is goes through a lot, a lot of training. Um to help people with things like PTSD or other or physical disabilities basically more major things um and not to say that anxiety and depression are not major because they definitely are I've definitely been there been anxious I mean I was super anxious yesterday it's just it it happens but That's kind of the big difference between those three, and I'm going to get into more of that because that's where a lot of the misconceptions stem from, is people don't understand the differences between these three different animals, um, between what they can and can't do, what they're for, and their, like, legal rights. Um, So, with an emotional support animal, to start... Like I said, they are not trained like a service animal or a therapy animal. Um, They are typically just any animal that has a good temperament. um, And for a patient that struggles with something like anxiety, depression, anything where they feel like they need that extra emotional support and think that could be beneficial and where their doctor thinks that could be beneficial. Um, And with that, there's the paperwork. The biggest misconception is that there's so many websites that will help you get emotional support animal letters. You pay them so much money and they give you a letter and that's supposed to be your ability to certify your animal as an emotional support animal. That's not a legit thing. Like that's legit, not a legit thing. And it just makes it harder for people who are actually trying to get emotional support animals to get them. A lot of people that use those websites are doing so to get past certain animal, like, weight restrictions, breed restrictions, etc. Um, which doesn't even necessarily work because there's some other variables to that law. Um, but the only thing you need for an emotional support animal is a doctor's note. That's it. You have your doctor sign certain paperwork, um, Typically, the only place you need it for is wherever you're going to be living if it's a rental Um, and if you want to fly with said animal. I don't know a whole lot of details about flying with emotional support animals because I literally don't remember the last time I was on an airplane. Um, I think it was 
the summer after my senior year of high school. So I just don't fly very often to be able to say how that works with an emotional support animal. The other thing is that emotional support animals are not allowed in public spaces where animals aren't allowed, if that makes sense. So say you want to go into a Starbucks. Your emotional support animal is not the same as a service dog. It does not get to go into the Starbucks. Your emotional support animal pretty much has the same rights as a normal pet, except that your apartment, if you're renting, cannot charge you for a pet fee. They can't charge you pet rent, all of that kind of stuff, and they have to let them in if they're above the weight restriction but not necessarily if they are a restricted breed. This is because, as what from what I've read, if your animal, if your emotional support animal is a breed that their insurance, if the apartment's insurance company deems dangerous or, you know, an extra liability or something, that can be an extra cost to the apartment. So that's why they don't necessarily have to let you in (laughs) if you have a dog that's on the restricted breed list, Um, which is super sucky, um, but it's definitely understandable. And to be clear, this might be different in another state. This is what I've read about for Texas, um, and there very very well could be changes to this since the last time I read about this, so... I'm not necessarily an expert, just sharing my experience and what I've read about, um, and then some of the basic differences. So, And a lot of why I did this research is because my own dog is a pit-looking dog. Um, He's a rescue, so we don't necessarily know his exact background, but it was something that I was concerned about when when me and my husband, now husband, started looking for apartments. Because with the school, I just went through the Office of Disability and Accommodations to be able to have an emotional support animal at school, which is something I'll get into more detail about at the end of this episode. So, moving on to therapy dogs. Therapy dogs are allowed in public buildings, but typically it's something that has to be set up ahead of time. It's not like just because you have a therapy dog and you're the owner of the therapy dog that you can just walk into a building, um... Now, again, this is not necessarily my area of expertise because I don't own a therapy dog, but I have researched a lot about this because there's a lot of confusion. But generally speaking, a therapy dog is a dog that's trained to basically be emotional support for multiple people and to be really comfortable with a lot of people being around them and just being a very, like, personable dog, if that makes sense. Um, A lot of universities have them, hospitals, that kind of thing. So if you're interested in getting your dog registered as a therapy dog, that's not really something that's for you. It's for you to take your dog to these places and help other people. So not really something that applies to somebody who is looking for support as an individual that makes sense. So hopefully that clarifies the difference between an emotional support dog and a therapy dog. Emotional support dog is for you. Therapy dog is for a group of people and typically the owner is someone, not someone who needs the therapy dog, but someone who basically trains and brings the therapy dog places, whether it's as a job or as a volunteer. So (laughs) they do have to take certain tests to get certified and whatnot. Um, Those are things I'm not super familiar with, but 
you know, they do have more training than an emotional support animal. And then again, up to service animals. Um, it's basically another step up in terms of training, in terms of rights, in terms of everything. If you take the rights that an animal has and the training an animal has, it basically goes up from emotional support dog to therapy dog to service dog uh, or service animal. You know what I mean. <laughs> uh, so for example, a service dog is allowed into public places. So if you go to a restaurant, your service dog is allowed into the restaurant or the store. And while there are certain rights that the owner of those establishments has or the managers, um, generally speaking, you're allowed to have your service animals in those public spaces. The only places they can't really be are somewhere where, you know, like in a factory where they're dealing with food, they're handling food. It's not sanitary to have the animals in there. But generally speaking, a service dog has those rights to be those places. And that's something that people often think. They think their emotional support animal gets to be in those public places like a service animal is. And that's just not the case. It's a totally different situation. There's a lot more training and paper, not necessarily paperwork, but there's a lot more training involved for a service animal than there is for an emotional support animal. So... Hopefully that clarifies things a little bit. I know that can be a really frustrating thing for people who have emotional support animals, who have service animals, just that confusion and lack of understanding. But that being said, I'm going to get into my emotional support animal story. I have a dog named Norman, um, and I got him as an ESA when I was... 19, I was going into my sophomore year of college. So between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I got him as an ESA. I actually had to get him before I could even apply to have an ESA. So that was interesting because I had to apply through the school to have an ESA, if that makes sense. Um, Just because of the situation I was in where I was living in the dorm rooms and dealing with doctors on campus, um, I basically had to go through that with them. Um... And, you know, he got approved. It was great. He came and lived with me in the dorm room, um, hung out with my friends outside (laughs) on campus. And it was really great having him around. And for me, it was very, very helpful. He gave me a sense of companionship. He gave me something where on my bad days, I genuinely had to get out of bed and take him to the bathroom and get outside and get fresh air. I was not... I had someone who was relying on me to take care of them. So that kind of gave me a purpose and helped me get moving so that I could get myself to a better place on those crappy days. Um, And honestly, animals are just freaking soothing. Like, who, like, doesn't love puppy snuggles? They're the best. Um, So I really think those are the... I, I feel like that sounds overly simple, but those are such big things things that that having somebody there with you and then that having somebody that relies on you on those days where you feel like you can't get out of bed because you're so anxious or so depressed or so whatever it's really great so it's something that I highly recommend to people who are struggling with anxiety or depression um but I really encourage you to be mindful of if you actually need it, because I do think a lot of people use it to get around 
paying for pet deposits or you know the whole weight restriction breed restriction thing or getting an animal into the dorm rooms and that's just not cool because it makes it really really difficult for people who actually need the help to get those emotional services emotional support animals there's a difference (laughs) you've got me all tongue-tied over here but uh i guess i should address (laughs) before we end i so norman is no longer an emotional support animal technically i uh stopped seeing the doctor that i was seeing who quote unquote prescribed him to me um because that's basically what it is the paperwork they fill out um and I am not currently seeing a doctor to treat my anxiety, so I don't really have an up-to-date letter because each letter usually is good for a year, is just kind of how that system works. So basically, he's not an ESA anymore, and we just pay the freaking pet deposit and pay the pet rent because it's easier than finding a new doctor right now. So, uh, And because I really don't have an interest in going on anxiety medication right now, it's just not something that I want to do. So I don't want to go to a doctor to get treated for anxiety when I don't really need them to do anything for me, if that makes sense. So that's kind of where we are with that and why Norman is not technically an ESA anymore, but I got him as an ESA. He was an ESA for me. And the only reason he's not currently an ESA, technically speaking, is because I'm not seeing a doctor currently for him to be prescribed to me. I don't know if you can hear that, but Norman is growling in his sleep (laughs) Um, as I'm recording this. So I guess his ears were burning, but now I think that's it. I hope that I've clarified a few things about the differences between emotional support animals and therapy dogs and service animals. I know I got a little rambly in there, but um, hopefully it's at least a little helpful and helpful to hear about my story. Um... So yeah, I guess that's it, and I will talk to you soon.